God, we thank you this morning for the miracle of rescuing us from darkness and bringing us into light. We thank you, God, that you've lifted the veil of our hearts so that we can behold and see the glory and the splendor of Jesus. God, I thank you for the, the radical, the extravagant, crazy grace that you continue to extend towards us because we're your kids. All right, hey, real, real quick, pause in the prayer. I mean, we'll come back to prayer. Um, we pray without ceasing anyway. But uh, sometimes the Lord gets my attention to highlight certain things to pray for, but I feel like I feel something, a sensation in a part of my body that we need to pray for. And it, sometimes it's just because um, I played capture the flag this weekend with my kids, and maybe that's why my right ankle's sore. Um, so it might not even be the Lord. It just might be I'm getting old. Um, but just in case, um, I do wonder, is, if, is anyone struggling with right knee, right, not knee pain, right ankle pain, right, yeah, right ankle pain? Is that anyone, or is that just because I'm getting old? What's that? I don't know what she had out there. No, something different. Left ankle? Oh, man, all right. Just wrong ankle. What's that? Well, it's good. It's not, it's not that painful, I don't think. All right, it's just worth a shot. All right, let's get back to prayer. All right, God, we want to walk in uh, whatever you have for us this morning. So thanks for leading us this morning, and thanks for being gracious when we hear you correctly, and thanks for being gracious when, when we don't. Um, but we do ask that if there's anything distracting us, whether it be physical pain, emotional pain, mental stuff, anything distracting us from hearing from you this morning, God, would you be gracious and um, clear that from, from us and from our mind so that we can fix our attention on you, God. Would you lift our head and lift our gaze to you, God? We pray for that miracle this morning that you would give us revelation of Jesus, that uh, your spirit would uh, empower us to uh, see Jesus more clearly, to see the truth, to walk more in line with who we are as sons and daughters. We ask God, I, God, I, I ask that... Um, in any way that the enemy, Satan, is trying to be a pest, that you would bind him and cast him away in Jesus' name, that Satan would have a bad morning and you, God, would have a great morning. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's rock and roll. So uh, last week, I, I started talking about laying a foundation of the idea that God's called us to be family. A spiritual family, regardless of what our physical family looks like and backgrounds, the good and bad that come with us, come with that, God has invited us into a spiritual family. And this idea of family actually is something that has existed before the foundation of the world, all right? It, it, it's God's intent from before the foundations of the world that he would establish for himself a family, that he would have sons and daughters for himself, and that they would experience that same level of intimacy as children with the Father as his son Jesus has with the Father. We're invited into that level of intimacy. But when we're brought into the family of God, it's not, there's no, uh, you're not an only child, right? When you're brought into the family of God, you've got brothers and sisters. 
And, and now we get the task and the responsibility as we grow into maturity, looking more and more through the power of our Holy Spirit, power, power of the Holy Spirit, to look more like our older brother Jesus. We are given the commission, the task of representing our Father to the world. Not just as individuals, yes, like as we go proclaim the gospel, we demonstrate it in power, but how we treat one another. That as a family of God, the way we interact with each other, uh, right, the word that we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy chapter 5, where it says, treat older men as fathers, older women as mothers, younger men as brothers, younger women as sisters. That there's something that happens in how we operate as a family that displays the character and the heart of the Father. How we interact with each other is a picture of who our Father is uh, to those around us. And it's a high calling that we have. So God's inviting us to the family, inviting us to grow into maturity, but also inviting us to um, be on this mission of representing the Father well. So that's what we talked about last week. And so I want to dig more into that this week as we continue over these next number of weeks to, to talk about specifically what does it look like for us to be family. And so if you do miss a week, I encourage you to go back online and, and listen to it because the weeks are going to build on one another um, as we talk about what this means. And so if you didn't listen to last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week um, and it'll help inform this week. Um, so let's look, at, let's look at a scripture this morning. The one that the Lord keeps bringing me back to is Acts 2, 42 through 47. Now, I know when I say that, some of you are going to start to, um, uh, what's the word? Freak out, right? Because <laughs> we talked about this like two years ago. And we spent months and months and months in this. I think the Lord is laying it out. And the Lord, I think, is bringing us back to this. Uh, not for months, don't worry, just this morning. Uh, but I think the Lord's bringing us back to this is because he laid a foundation. He's been laying a foundation for us to be family over the past number of years. And he's, he's caused us to look at this. But now I think what he's saying is it's time to really step into it and live it. It's really start to apply what the word says in this. And so I'm looking at it now through the lens of family more clearly than I have before. And the Lord just is this week kept bringing me back to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And uh, that's where I want to spend some time this morning. So if you got, got the Bible, why don't you uh, open that up? Otherwise, it will be on the screen. This is what it says. And they, they is referring to the, the believers, the, the disciples of Jesus, not just the, the 12, but the, all the followers of Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's to the word, to the fellowship, that's not just to hanging out together, but to knowing one another deeply, to the breaking of bread, which is eating together in communion, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. I, I guess I've been thinking a lot about what was it that caused these people, like day by day by day, people were being saved? Picture that, right? Like what, what would that look like for us if we got together here as an extended family on, on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden someone's like, oh, I came to the Lord on Tuesday. Oh, that's cool. These three people over here on, on Monday decided to follow Jesus. And these people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, Wednesday, 
I, I, my eyes are open to the good news, and I give my life to the Lord. And Thursday over here, this group, right, it just became this normal thing, this expectation where people day by day by day are being saved. And I think there's a number of factors, right? A lot of it is, it is only by the Holy Spirit that opens people's hearts, right? It, it is by the proclamation of the gospel that people come to know Jesus without the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus. It says in Romans, like, how is their faith without believing, without hearing, I mean? And so if there's not the proclamation of the gospel, it, there's nothing to, to believe. But what I get a picture here in Acts chapter 2 is it's not just the proclamation of the gospel. It's a demonstration of the gospel. You get this wild, wild picture of the family of God where people, no one has need. Like if, if someone has a need, the other people are like, oh, no, you got a need? That's cool. I'll just go sell my stuff and give you the money for it. And someone's like, hey, I, I've got this emotional need because they're not just hanging out once a week. They're not hanging out periodically, but it says that they're together and it's day by day that they're gathering together. And, and as, as it says in verse 44, and all who believe we're together, I think that means more than just together in their stuff, but together in their heart, together in presence, together in knowing one another so deeply that it's like, uh, Christian, you're struggling today. I know that deep. You're not saying you are, but like I, I can bear that burden with you because I know you so well. Right? Over here, Trisha, you're having a great week. Oh, praise God for what's going on. I know what's going on in your life because we're, we're doing life together because we're family. There's this intimacy, right? There's this deep fellowship where it's, 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 it's a family setting where I can come and be like, ah, you know what? I'm not doing well today. And that John can remind me of the truth and speak truth in my life and edify me and build me up in, in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's this, this incredible radical picture of what it looks like, and I believe what it is, is to be family together. This huge benefit, right, where no one's alone, no one's isolated, no one's left out, no one's forgotten. E even the, the people on the fringes, the people, those of us that feel like we're kind of weirdos sometimes, we're not on the fringes, we're enveloped in, we're brought in, and not only are we brought in, but we have a part to play, and using our gifts is part of the family of God. I think that what we see here is, Yes, the gospel is being preached, but I wonder how much of it is because these people on the outside are looking in at how the church, the Christian church family, the believers, are living in such a way that is attractive to saying, that's what I want to be a part of. And I think that's what the Lord's inviting us into. He's saying there are huge benefits to being part of the family of God, but there are also large costs to become part of the family of God. Like, I think sometimes we set the bar way too low for people to, to follow Jesus. You ever feel that way? It's like, hey, just say this prayer and you can get to heaven. I mean, oh my gosh, heaven is going to be sweet. But what makes heaven sweet is not because it's not hell. What makes heaven sweet is because that's where we get to see Jesus face to face for all of eternity. And that will be the day when all things will be made new and we will be conformed fully into the image of Jesus and we will see him for who he is and we will reflect back to him the glory and splendor of his character for all of eternity. But the deal is sometimes I think we set the bar so low and say, hey, just give your life to Jesus and you go about your business. But the call to the gospel is saying, renounce your father, the devil, and come and be part of the family of God where you get to experience, yes, the full blessing and inheritance and the, uh, the honor and the glory of being part of the family of God, but it also means that you're fully a part of the family of God. That there's no passive members. That everyone has a part to play. I mean, look at this, right? 
it, it's, it's giving up their time. It's not just this occasional, like, hey, I'll kind of bop in and bop out when it's convenient. It's day by day they were together. I think a lot of times we love the idea, we'll read something like Acts 2, and we just picture a snapshot in time when the Holy Spirit bombs the church, blows it up, and people start living in a radical way of love and representing the Father. And I think we look at this and we're like, this is awesome. Anyone think that? Like, this is awesome. But are we willing to pay the cost to walk in it? Which says, I'm willing to give up the convenience of my time to spend time with you, to know you and be known by you. I'm willing to give up the price of keeping you at an arm's length and keeping the walls up high because I don't want you to know my junk that says, I'm willing to let you in to truly be known, and I'm willing to sit with you in your hurt and your brokenness and know you as well. It's a willingness to say, if you have a need, I see that I have a responsibility to meet it, and sometimes that means at a cost of my own financial gain and my financial security, I'm willing to pay that price in order for you to experience what, what it means to be part of the family of God. I think, about, think about it this way. Jesus is like, he's so invitational, right? He says, come follow me. He just says, those who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He's like so invitational into his family. Invite, invite, invite. But at the same time, he's so highly challenging as well. Not only does he say, oh, come follow me and I'll give you living water. He also says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross daily and deny yourself. Right? It's this balance of saying, come and be invited in, but let me tell you that the bar is high. And sometimes I think we, we short sell what it means to be part of the family of God because we don't say that you get to be a part of it. You get to be an active member of this, and instead we say, just come sit for a while until you're ready, rather than saying, you're part of the family of God, you get to contribute from day one. It makes me think, um, my wife and I, this summer we celebrate uh, 15 years of marriage. And, um, yes, that's right, that's right. Pretty much old pros by now, right? <laughs> or something. Um, but I'll never forget this. I was just talking to Michelle about this this, this week. We, we were reflecting on this conversation that my, um, I, I get choked up about this. Well, I get choked up all the time. But, like, I get choked up about this because well, my dad died, right, eight years ago. And so you just treasure those those like intimate memories. And, and I'll never forget the day where it was after we got engaged. And we sat down, Michelle and I sat down with my parents. And my dad just looked at Michelle. And he said, listen, Michelle, it is very hard to be, to be a Smith, become part of the Smith family. We take family very seriously. We hold family to a very high standard. To be a part of this family is a really big deal. We don't just let anybody in. But he said, but when you're in, you're in. Even as an in-law, when you're in, you're in. You're stuck with us. Ugh, right? That you're stuck with us, and when you're in, you're in. That the bar is high to be a part of this family, but we want you to know that you have full rights and access to us as a family. And as a symbol of that, my dad said, there's only six people in the world that call me dad. 
I, there's five of us kids, and at that time, my brother was married, so one in-law that made it six. He said, there's only six people in the whole world that get to call me dad, and I want you to be one of them. Right? He said, it's a symbol. It's not just like, hey, change the title. It's neat. You can call me dad now. It's a symbol of saying, it's hard to get in, but when you're in, you are in. And you may be an in-law, but you are in. You don't sit in the corner at family gatherings and be like, well, you're just an in-law. You sit over there saying you are fully a member of this family, all the blessing that comes with it, and we want you to participate in the life of our family. And I was just reflecting on that with her this week, just like obviously tears. You're like, oh. Because I'm like, well, you're supposed to be part of this family with us for years, right? But even my dad's not here. It's that idea of we, we are still family. And I think that's what the Lord's calling us into, is the church is saying, we get to be family with one another, but it comes at a cost. And I think sometimes we just have lowered the bar to something so much lower than what the Lord has for us. Because here, it's true, they gather in these large gatherings, they're gathering in the temple courts, right? Just tons of people, like extended family. Like I would compare to what we're doing here on Sunday mornings, is like an extended family gathering. Like a, what's the word? Reunion, thank you. A good one. And, and this feels like a, an extended family gathering. It's a reunion. And it's so fun. There's so much benefit. Do we get to check in and see how you're doing? Like, oh, I haven't seen in a while. What's up? Hey, what's good in life? What's going on? What's God been doing? Right? All this idea of a family reunion. But can you imagine if the extent of your relationship with family is only you showing up to an occasional family reunion, how that impacts you as a family? It's good. It's awesome. It's exciting. It's fun. You should do it. However, I believe what the Lord is inviting us into is not simply a once-a-week gathering in an extended family, but he's inviting us into deeper, more intimate spiritual family. I think this is the heart of what we've been trying to do for a number of years. And we've not done it well at times. I think for us right now, we're, we're, we've been struggling with the idea of language. What's the language God wants us to use to articulate what he's calling us into? In the past, we've talked about like house church, but for a lot of you, that comes with all kinds of baggage. House church comes with baggage. Church comes with baggage. And unfortunately, what we've done in the past, we say, hey, be a part of a house church. But what we've done is we've made it simply a, an invitation to a program rather than an invitation to a life. We've said, hey, if you sign up for this, we're gonna, it'll be great. Everything will you'll get transformed. And some of you have done that. You'll be like, this was horrible. What, what just happened, right? Because we trained you in a form. We trained you in how to meet. We trained you in how to gather. We trained you in some practical things. But we've not done a good job in training you and teaching you and modeling for you what it means to be family together. And the Lord is saying, it's not about house church. House church is not the only way to do it. It's a vehicle. It's simply a space and a place for you to be family and spiritual family with other people. Where everyone has a place to belong. Where everyone has gifts to contribute. Where people know and are known by one another. Where people are, are operating through listening to the Spirit and ministering to one another. Right? Where needs are met. Where no one is alone and isolated. Right? But it's not simply saying, I want you to sign up for a one-time-a-week event. I'm inviting you into a life with one another with God as our father the spirit empowering us to be family not just once a week but it's during those days where it says I'm calling you up and be like hey sounds like you're struggling today what's up where we actually bear with those who, who, who are bear with those who are difficult to love 
where we live in radical closeness, where we are forgiving one another when we're offended, when we're, uh, everyone has a place to belong, where everyone is using gifts, right? Where everyone, no one has lack. I believe that's what the Lord is inviting us into. And I'll tell you more specifics on how that's going to be played out over the next <clears throat> number of weeks, etc. But sometimes I wonder, would we see more of our communities, more of our neighborhoods, more of our city transformed by the power of the gospel if we took seriously this call to family? That people would look at the church, look at believers and go, you guys are a bunch of freaks, right? I've been amazed at what I've been hearing of you guys growing in this idea of family together. I just heard this the other, the other day. There's a couple of families here who, who take seriously the call to meet the needs of their other brothers and sisters in the faith. And they have heard about some individuals who need some, it's like more long-term transitional housing, right? There's kind of a gap of transitional housing in our community for more extended stuff where it's a transition to them being on their own. And part of what they're contemplating with some folks is what would it look like to bring a one or two of these people into our homes to give them some transitional living space for two years, right? It's one thing to have someone in your home for two days. It's one thing to have someone in your home for two weeks. It's another thing to have someone in your home for two years. But to say, I want to not just give you a room to stay in. I don't want to just simply give you a home to live in. I want to give you a family to belong to. Where they get to experience the life of the family of God together. And that others would see that and go, what in the world are you doing? Who is this God that always has a place for those that are left out all the time? And the deal is, though, is like, that comes at a great cost. It comes at a great cost to everyone involved. Like, to, to invite someone into your life, to invite someone into your home, invite someone into your space, to, to give up your own way of doing things, right? To come in, to, to work through the difficulty and struggle. Like, it comes at a great cost, but it comes at a great reward for growing together in Christ's likeness and what it means to be part of the family of God. Like, I, I, I just see this picture in Scripture. It's like, it's, com it's, it's coming alive for me lately. And I've I mentioned it before, but like even more so, I, I, I'm, I'm coming alive at seeing this pattern that you see in Scripture is that the church is actually empowered to live their life as family throughout their days. You see here that they're meeting in temple courts, yes, but they're meeting in homes together, that people are empowered to be the church, that they're, they're decentralized, they're not having to get everything approved by the organization or the institution. Can we do this? Can we not do this? Everyone is empowered as spiritual family to listen to the Holy Spirit and obey what he says. That if they see a need, they're able to meet it. If they put some on their heart to go do this in their neighborhood, they'll go do it. And you see this picture whether it happens in this major way in Jerusalem or in other cities where a missionary comes in, like Paul or Peter, right? They, they come into a city, they share the gospel. Some people give their lives to the Lord, and they don't say, okay, you're good. They train them to follow Jesus and make disciples, but they also train them to be family together. They're training them to grow in maturity together, and they're training them to multiply. Because healthy things grow and healthy things multiply. 
And I believe if, if we're growing as healthy spiritual families, we will see radical maturity display the character of Christ, but we will also see those spiritual families mature and multiply and start populating different aspects of our city. And I think that's what you see take place. It starts in a little pocket, and sometimes you know, it'll train them up, and then Paul or Peter, they take off for a while, and the Holy Spirit, he trusts them in the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden comes back, and these little spiritual families have popped up over here, and popped up over here, and all of a sudden people are growing in love for each other, and affection for one another, and ministering to one another. But the deal is, as I mentioned last week, but when you operate as a family, families are crazy, and families are messy. So Paul's writing these, and Peter's writing to these churches, to these families, saying, okay, yeah, you're doing okay as being a family in this area, but stop being crazy over here. Stop being nuts over here. Like, what are you doing right there, right? And you start seeing these spiritual families bubble up and bubble up, and those people that are part of the family of God start inviting others in to experience God, and they give their lives to the Lord, and they start other spiritual families. And all of a sudden, the church, spiritual family, the family of God starts taking over a city, and they see a city transformed. I wonder... What would it look like in our city I wonder what it would look like in our city if we function as families together and we were paying attention to the needs in our neighborhoods we're paying attention to the needs of our neighbors we're meeting needs and caring for them and loving them, what might happen to the family of God and how might it explode? Sorry, I'm praying through uh, what to share. I know there's been some concern about, okay, so are we just getting rid of this large gathering? The Lord is just continuing to help shape this time and understand this is an extended family gathering. And I'm not saying you shouldn't invite people here. You can invite people here. It's a low cost to invite people here. The cost is well, you can't sleep in if they come. Maybe we'll ask you to do something weird like pray for each other or something like that, right? But I would also say, though, the cost is low. They can definitely encounter the Lord, but the reward is also low in the sense that they don't get to experience the intimacy of family and don't have a place to belong or use their gifts. And I'm not downplaying it. Don't hear me, like, knocking it. It's fine. It's good. Like, if, if, if you're having someone important in your life, you're, you want to bring them to the extended family reunions, right? Those are awesome. You want to meet the extended family, but that's not the same as them being a part of the family and, and, and living life as family, right? And I think the Lord's saying, yes, invite them into the life of the family, but this is simply one tool here on these Sunday mornings to empower you to go forth and be a spiritual family. But I think what the Lord is saying is, we want to continue as a church to decentralize things where this gathering and what we do at Moran Park as a building is not the thing of utmost importance and centrality. 
It is a tool, like everything else being a tool, to empower you to go forth during the week and be a spiritual family, to listen to the Lord, obey the Lord, and, and, and invite others into that family. And over these next weeks, we, we want to teach you and, and walk with you, and what does that mean and what does that look like? But the thing that the Lord has birthed in us for years has not changed. I believe it's coming to greater and greater fruition. And I believe the time is right. That people are more alone and isolated than ever. They, they want more than ever a place to belong. And them sitting in a pew here on Sunday morning is not the place for them to belong. They can come. It's awesome. But the place for them to belong is for you to invite them into your life and into your home and be family with them. Are you with me? I think that's one of the reasons why the Lord's saying one of the first things he wants us to do right now is to add more elders. Because um, I could talk to you about what it means to be family when we get, gather, to here, gather here. I could, give you, I could give you facts, man. I could give you scripture, and I think that's helpful. But I think the way that we learn to be family together is by actually being family together and having someone teach us to do it as we do it together, Right? I believe God's raising up more elders, more spiritual older brothers and sisters here to teach us how to navigate when we step on each other's toes, how to mediate when we've offended each other, how to uh, encourage each other and build each other up in the word, how to spur one another on, how to uh, pay attention to the hurting and broken around us. Like I, I believe that's one of the calls that the Lord's calling us to raise up more elders in our midst to help bear the load and shoulder the load of us growing together as family. In Rand Park, I believe this is what the Lord is inviting us into, is that we would be family together, that we would see our community transform. Like, I, I, I said this the other day, right? Like, Great Commission. I didn't say this the other day. What's the Great Commission start with? It's not a trick question. What is it? Go. The Great Commission is go make disciples of all nations. And unfortunately, what I feel like sometimes we've done is we've, we've turned it into come make disciples. And I believe the Lord is saying, it's time to empower the church to be the church. To send you out in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your workplaces. For you to be the family of God together and invite others in. That we may see revival in this city and revival in this country. Not because we get the right person in office. Not because we get the right morals in our laws. But because we've invited people to surrender themselves to our Father King, our Father God uh, in submitting to King Jesus and that we will see our cities, our neighborhoods, and our country transformed by the gospel. But I believe it starts with us. Living as family, operating as family, and inviting people in. All right, that's enough for this week. We'll cover more next week. Let's pray. All right, God, we do thank you for this call to be family together. We, we thank you for this uh, 
invitation, God, that you're giving us to, to be family with one another, God. I pray that you would continue to lay that out before us, continue to empower us to do that, God. I thank you, God, that that is not, that is not uh, we can't do that on our own might or our own power or by trying harder, God, that it's only done by the power of your Holy Spirit. I think about, God, that, that, that's what took place in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit just blew them up. They're baptized with the Spirit, and then this is what comes forth, this radical family life of representing you as dad. And so, God, we do ask that you would empower us through your spirit, that you would continue to uh, equip us to do the work of being family together, that we, God, would uh, take the risk of inviting people in and, and letting, uh, letting ourselves come in when invited in, God. God, for those that continue to wrestle with this idea of family because they have so much baggage and hurt uh, with their, just their earthly families, God, I pray that you would continue to give them a vision of you being the perfect heavenly father. God, I pray that you continue to give us understanding of your invitation to us. Not by our own works, not by our own efforts, not by our own goodness, not by our own good deeds, but by the righteousness of Jesus alone. God, I thank you that you have adopted us as sons and daughters. God, I thank you for that picture of adoption, that you have chosen us from before the foundation of the world, and you brought us into your family and said, you, I want you to be part of my family, not because of what you benefit me, not because of what you give me, but because of my great extravagant love for you, God, that you have chosen us and pulled us into your family, and now lavishly uh, dump on us the inheritance and riches of heaven. So God, before we get into this idea of what, we, what, we, what this looks like and how do we do this, God, I pray that you would continue to stir in our hearts of this call of being family that represents you well. That the cost is worth it, not just because of the things we benefit, but, the, but because you are worth it, God. Your glory, your splendor, your awe, God, is worth it. We pray this all in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.